Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Now, today, we've got a very special episode. So when I look back on the um, almost 1,100 podcasts that we've dropped uh, over the last three or four years, some of my favorite shows to do are those with old friends and colleagues that I think really highly of. And today, I'm very fortunate to have that opportunity once again. So our guest today is a global business leader. He's a published author, a continuous improvement guru, a sought-after keynote speaker, a former business partner, and a really good friend. And that's just scratching the tip of the iceberg. So get this. Our guest has been really driving positive change in manufacturing and sales environments for over 30 years. We're not supposed to say over 20. I think me and Greg White made that <laughs> that decision here ages ago, but Mark's been at it for uh, quite some time, driving real change and impact, right? Impacting organizations and people. So he started with TDK Electronics. Do you remember all those cassette tapes we all had back in the 80s and 90s? It was in this critical early role that our guest was able to study Kaizen manufacturing techniques in Japan, right? He'd go on to work at organizations such as Respironics and Acuity Brands Lighting. Now at Acuity, uh, our guest led the uh, lean deployment really across the company's supply chain. We're talking 16 plants, five distribution centers, and 14 supplier development programs. Lots of rattlesnakes killed, which we'll, we'll reference a little later on in the conversation, so that makes sense. Currently, our guest is a lean champion for the Association for Manufacturing Excellence and also serves on the national board for AME as well. So, hey, folks, you're in for a treat today. With all that said, I want to welcome in my dear friend, Mr. Mark Preston. Mark, how you doing? Good, Scott. Thank you very much. Looking forward to you it. You bet. You bet. Well, a ton of experience, a ton of impact, a ton of outcomes and bottom line results. And, of course, you've got a big love for working with people, right, uh, to not only make the processes and organizations better, but but to develop the people too, right? It's about the people. You know, I remember starting my thinking towards uh, even in uh, high school, I had a job on the night shift at Bandag Tower Retreads in Griffin, Georgia. Okay. And I remember being on the floor with cramps in both legs, thinking to myself, man, I got to do something about this. I got to do, I got to go to college. I got to do something. And so here I am uh, many, many years later and uh, still love working with people and making their jobs better and making companies better. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you started there because that's one of the most important things we can share via this episode, right? Um, it is all about the people, even in this in this technolo- uh, technology driven world we live in. It's about the people, and um, and you also beat them to the punch. So I, I want to. I know you really well. I've had a chance to, um, you know, watch you in action. You know, do some of it with you. Um, have you know break bread and hear a lot of your stories. So uh, I'm delighted to be able to share a lot of that with our audience. So let's start with you. Just referenced Griffin, Georgia. Is that where you grew up, Mark? Grew up in Griffin. Uh, interesting. I was adopted at three days old to older parents and ended up um, meeting my birth mother last year uh, uh, and actually uh, 
found out I had a full brother and a half brother and a half sister. And it's like I have wow. a whole new family now in my 50s. And so it's been a really exciting uh, journey for me in that regard. But growing up in Griffin, always living in Georgia, you can tell I have the Southern accent. So, I, you know, I, uh, I love the South and I love um, the food of the South, the barbecue. And I know you love the barbecue <laughs> here in the South, too. Man, we sure do too much, Mark. We love it too much. Um, I was just talking about open-air barbecue uh, the other day, which is a legendary place. been around since, I think, the 20s. Okay, so Mark, what, before we get into the, the, the main part of our discussion here today, I've got two quick questions for you. Number one, where did you get, where did your love for driving good change begin? And number two, one of my favorite questions I'm going to ask you is, what do folks get wrong about lean? So the first question I love, I'm a people person and I love to, to work with people and I love to see the light bulbs go off in their eyes when they see that it's not just a, a job a robot can do, but it's something that you can use your mind with and really come up with creative solutions. And so that engagement factor really drove me to, to driving uh, improvement in, in companies that are world-class have engaged employees. They don't have uh, people that are not engaged. And this right. is a real true factor in, in manufacturing that I see it. Second question, how do people get lean wrong? Well, lean is not about eliminating people. You know, a lot of people are like, they come from companies, oh, we're going to lean out the company, and they cut 20% of the employees out. Well, that's not what lean is about. That's not lean transformation at all. Lean is about eliminating waste. And... I don't know of anybody except for my daughter's ex-boyfriend uh, that's a waste, you know. And so <laughs> other than him, people aren't waste. And you've got to really think about what waste can I drive out of my job to make it better? What waste can I drive out of the company? And so my acronym for LEAN is Living Engaged Attitude Now. Mm. So people think, oh, LEAN something you do at work. No, are you living LEAN? Are you living it? Can you find your keys in five seconds or less? Or are you looking for them when you're wasting time when you could be with your family and hobbies? So are you living it? Are you engaged? Are you just working for a paycheck? Or are you also working for to improve yourself and to improve the company? So how are you engaged in what you're doing? Attitude is contagious. You know, you come to work with a good attitude, everybody around you will probably have a good day. You come to work with a bad attitude, everybody's going to have a bad day. Mm. So attitude is so important in this thing we call lean. And then now is the end. There's no better time than now to improve. So think about, are you living engaged attitude now? That's what I think about when I think about lean and eliminating waste. Yep. You know, um, I've seen you in action. You know, we go back quite some time. Um, and I've seen you working with companies that implement lean the right way, and then it creates a growth opportunities, actually creates jobs, right? Um, which goes counter, kind of prevailing to what some of the folks uh, out there that make assumptions around what lean is. So I love that we started with the right definition there. So, uh, Mark, um, let's move into our checklist here, our powerful checklist, uh, right? Um, five ways that organizations can reinvigorate their continuous improvement programs in 2023. So what's the first one on your checklist? I'm going to start with the first three all involve learning to see. 
how can people see waste better? How can people see how to be more efficient, how to be better quality, how to have better safety? So the first three that I'm going to talk about is really geared toward helping people see, learning to see. And the first one is going to be rattlesnake hunts. Okay. And so it's not a real snake that I'm talking about. <laughs> it's, it's really uh, something that will bite you if you see it, bite you if you hear it. If you're around it long enough, it'll bite you. It could be a safety issue, a cord that you're going to trip on. It could be a quality issue with mixed labels that you're going to put on the box wrong. Or it could be something that's not organized that might turn the customer off as they tour the plant. So these are rattlesnakes that are going to bite you, you know, eventually. And so we call this a rattlesnake hunt. And it's a three-day event that actually is like 5S on steroids. A 5S okay, and, and really like, quick. Yeah, Mark, I'm glad you, you beat me to the punch. What's 5S for some of our listeners out there? 5S is a tool for organization. It, it involves sort, set in order, shine, standardize, and sustain. So if you have a cabinet and you're wanting to organize it, you'll sort it first because you don't want to set in order something that you don't use anymore, right? So you're going to sort it. Then you're going to set in order. Everything's got a place. Everything's in its place. And then you're going to shine. You're going to repaint the cabinet, make it look new again. Um, then you're going to standardize. Maybe there's some color coding that makes it easier to find things. And then you're going to sustain it, which means really going back and making sure it stays that way. So that's the 5S. But yep. a lot of companies do 5S and it becomes negative. It becomes over months. Here comes the police. We better hide everything and then we'll get it back out later. <laughs> You know, it's, there's nothing on the to-do list uh, to improve because it just becomes a check-the-box activity. Well, if you want to reinvigorate your 5S or really help people learn to see, do a rattlesnake hunt. So, Mark, uh, I've been a part of some of your rattlesnake hunts. These these work so well. There's a there's an esprit de corps and a camaraderie. There's even some competition. You know, I've seen it. Um, and I love the uh, – so to our listeners – Think of those rattlesnakes that, that you know. Mark just kind of gave some examples. Well, uh, I've seen war rooms that are dedicated to these rattlesnake hunts, where folks are taking pictures of, of in some cases, hundreds of rattlesnakes or opportunities for improvement. And then, Mark, as I, I believe during the three days, you kind of the teams prioritize what to address, and then they they uh, drive real change right there during those three days. Is that right? That's correct. First day, you go tag and take pictures of. You have three teams with three to five people on each team, and you, each each team has an area to go hunt rattlesnakes in. First day, you actually go tag rattlesnakes. So their goal is 100 per team. So they're going to put 100, 300 pictures on the conference room wall, 100 per team, and then they're going to label them, are they safety, quality, 5S. Then they're going to say, what are their top three? That evening after day one, you'll have 300 pictures on the wall of, of snakes that we want to go kill. The plant manager or the vice president will come in and they'll judge the biggest rattlesnake, the most rattlesnakes, the biggest safety, the biggest quality. We'll spare no expense, go to dollar store, go get some candy bars and, and have some prizes the next morning. <laughs> but it's a little bit of the pride competition. Who's got the biggest rattlesnake? Right. And then the next two days, they have to kill 80%, which means take the after picture of it being fixed 
and put it up there next to the before picture. Now, what does that give you? Three days, find 300 problems and fix 250 of them. That's pretty incredible. I don't think you'll get that payback in many other workshops like that. And it's a really great thing for people to get engaged and excited about it. I love it. I love it. I think we're going to offer up a article with more information on rattlesnake hunts. Mark's been leading them and doing them for quite some time, and it's a really proven approach. So, okay, so that's the first one. The first of our list of five uh, ideas for reinvigorating your continuous improvement. The first one's rattlesnake hunts. What's the second one, Mark? See the big picture. So value stream mapping. If you don't know how to do value stream mapping, you really need to look at the value stream map of the facility because we're all in silos with blinders on. We don't, assembly doesn't know what shipping does or other departments do. But if you get that big picture of a value stream map, you can really see the product flow, the information flow, and all the data associated with it. So value stream mapping is a key to really understand because if you don't do it, it's just who yells the loudest is where you, what, what you're going to work on. And you don't want to do that, right? You want to prioritize what's the most important thing to work on in the whole facility. So you need to do a value stream map. Now, one of the things that I'm starting to do with value stream maps is layer on top of that a quality stream map. So you can imagine what's the entire quality system look like on top of a value stream map. And it blows away ISO inspectors, right? So mm. you can see on one wall the entire quality stream for your facility. And mm. next, I'm going to put standardized work on top of that so I can see all the standardized work in the entire facility on top of the value stream map. So value stream mapping is definitely number two that will really take uh, plants a long ways. Mark, let me ask a dumb question. Um, I think when folks hear the word standardized and standard work, maybe they make some assumptions. But what what are we really after there? What What is standard work? Well, if it's not written down, how do you improve it? That's the question I would have, right, as a sensei. So you got to start somewhere. What is your standard today that we want to improve? So when I talk about standardized work, it's what we know is the best so far today and timing and, and efficiency, and what can we do to eliminate waste in that standard to make it a better standard and continue mm. to improve. So when I look at standardized work, there's a difference in standardized work and work instructions. Work instructions is all the details and all the pictures and everything to train someone. Standardized work is really what are we supposed to do it in? What, what's the time we should do it in? And what's the time we are actually doing it in, which is the cycle time? And so we do a really good analysis of that so you can see how you can improve and eliminate waste. Love that. Well, thank you. Uh, all right. So the first one, rattlesnake hunts. The second one's value stream mapping. And as Mark mentioned, there's some things you can layer on top of that to make uh, value stream mapping even more valuable. What is item number three, Mark? Playbooks. All winning teams have a playbook. So if I go to the accounting department and I ask the accounting manager, can I see your playbook? You're a winning team, correct? So I'd love to see your playbook. You know, will they be able to give me a playbook? And what is that playbook? Is it everyone's job in the department? Think about what is the, um, we call it a SIPOC, supplier input, process output, and customer of that department, which is a holistic view of that department. What's all the processes that accounting does 
are they mapped out? So if you create a playbook, you have a really good chance of improving in that department. So I use playbooks a lot of times, not only in manufacturing assembly areas, but also in uh, the office areas. So a playbook is a really key thing to develop in purchasing, customer service, accounting, you name it, any department. And think about it this way, Scott, if you started a job and you go to accounting, you were starting in accounting and, and you go to uh, the accounting manager and this is my first day on the job. And that accounting manager gave you a playbook with all the processes mapped out, with uh, their metrics, their uh, your job description and what all we're doing in that department. How much faster will you be uh, up to speed in that new role. You know, one of the things we did at Acuity, we put in the back of the playbook all the acronyms, and we had hundreds of acronyms. But think about a new person. How long does it take you to learn all those acronyms? But you got a playbook, and you actually can refer to it. So mm. I'd say the third one is learning to see through playbooks, and that means process mapping your processes and really looking at what goes on in each department. You know, I really love that one. And, you know, you mentioned the office environment about halfway through your response there. And I think one of the things I think, you know, I think when some of our listeners maybe hear lean or continuous improvement, they're thinking like a, uh, a factory floor or something. However, these are really, are, it's, it's a mindset, as you mentioned on the front end, and these are really universal elements. I think of uh, all the office environments out there and the filing system. I don't know about you, Mark, but I hate when it takes me 27 mouse clicks to get somewhere, it should take me one, you know, and right. and and that's just like a a universal opportunity for for making things easier and more efficient in the days of of uh, of our employees' lives, right? It's been my experience is there's just as much waste in the office as there is on the plant floor. The problem is you can see a big pile of inventory on the plant floor. You can see people waiting. You can see things on the plant floor that you can't see in the office until mm. you start mapping those processes. Why does, you know, getting a marketing brochure process take 10 people and five weeks? Why, why can't we reduce that waste so it only takes three days to do a marketing brochure? Those are the mm. questions you have to ask. And until you map those processes, you don't see the waste. Love that. What a great example. It truly is universal. Um, okay, so we've got our first three. The third one there was playbooks. Um, what's the fourth item for reinvigorating your continuous improvement in 2023? Communication. So at Mick, Mick Wills was the owner of Sure Seal, and actually, we actually, he was a supplier that I worked with on a 13-week Honda supplier development program. They ended up winning the... Uh, Association of Manufacturing Excellence AME Award after five years of work together. And uh, he said it best, people aren't afraid of change, they're afraid of uncertainty. And I think that's totally true. If you knew what you're going to be doing and, and how it's going to affect your job, you aren't as scared, right? So one of the things we did in communicating to that plant is Mick and I and myself and some of the team created on a ping pong table an entire Lego layout of the shop floor, down to the people, the trash cans, the machines. <laughs> the entire thing was in Legos. And I we bet had that was an expensive model, Mark. Sorry, sorry, do what? 
I bet that was an expensive uh, model, wasn't it? Legos are no, very proud had, of their products. He had a ton of Legos, so he brought them out of his <laughs> closet, I guess, and started it. And it was great. Loved it. Now Love people it. are doing it with 3D uh, models, right? So you can print it, do a 3D printer, and make it up. But how important is it to see the entire layout? Then we got all the employees to come over and give their suggestions on how to improve the layout. Then we put a huge whiteboard in the plant with each month and all the events we were going to do so that they could see when we're going to get to their area to improve it. You know, that's the key is communication on your lean journey. What are those people talking about in the conference room? How's that going to affect my job? When are we going to do something? And so they just want, whether it's a newsletter or some kind of uh, communication. Another great way to communicate is to have a wall of fame in your plant. So people really like their picture. I had something to do with the transformation of this plant. So if you were to submit a suggestion and do it, can you give the before picture, the after picture, and your picture, and it goes on the wall of fame in the front of the plant? Not, not only does that communicate to the people on the floor, maybe they have an idea, that same idea can be used in their area, but also think of this is a wow factor. A customer comes in, they see a wall of fame with hundreds of improvements, and they wish their company had that because they see the culture there. So it's a game changer with just a wall of fame, not only recognizing people, but also sharing ideas and also uh, really showcasing what you can do as a wow factor to your customers. All right, so Mark, I want to ask, I want to jog your memory for a second here because you know, you're, you're, you're talking about the power of the people and we both know um, some of the best ideas, if not not all the best ideas, come from the people for drawing, you know, making an impact, driving good change. You and I and a colleague were up in the Pacific Northwest visiting a, a food plant that supplied a, a big chunk of uh, French cut potatoes for French fries for one of the uh, most well-known restaurants in the business. And they were telling us the story as we were on the plant talking with the people that one of the, um, this, this high-end potato cutting machine uh, they were having product kind of spill out of it in 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 uh, one point one aspect of the machine. Well, one of the operators who knows who knows it best had this great idea. They presented to management, and I want to say I can't remember the numbers exactly, but this one idea that was applied to not just that one machine, but of course all the machines, they cut down like fifteen percent in terms of the waste of potatoes, and that was one of my favorite parts of that fa- of that whole uh, trip. You remember that? Oh, definitely. It was an amazing plant, and they still are. And it was just a river of potatoes running through that plant. And, and honestly, <laughs> right. it was the best break food I've ever had. If you remember, they brought out some fresh fried potatoes for us to oh. eat for, for break. And, uh, but we did a value stream map of that facility. And, and I bet back to what you were saying is it was amazing, the engagement of the employees and, and some of the best, you know, the experts aren't the people in the office. They're the people that do it every day. And you get some of the best ideas from those folks. And this was one of those cases. Yeah. That's a, and I, um, I was remembering those freshly fried but uh, wedge uh, uh, French fries uh, the other day. That was one of the highlights of that trip too. Um, okay. So we have gone through the first four. The fourth tip there was was really investing in more effective communication on a variety of levels. Before before French fries jumped in my mind here, Mark. So 
Uh, what's number five? Was round out this list. What's the fifth fifth tip? The fifth one would be standards. We talked about it a little bit, but I want you to think about standards in a plant. Um, number one, do you have a non-negotiable list? And I say that because people come and work every day from other companies. They don't know what not to do unless you tell them sometimes. And so I encourage every plant to have a non-negotiable list. And it can be as simple as no handwritten graffiti signs. You know, type it up. Laminate it. If you're in the South, everything's got to be laminated. Just don't put a piece of paper up because it'll curl up and look terrible in no time. What's world class look like? And that's what you want to get embedded into your people. What is the non-negotiable standards? Others are like no flat surfaces above six feet. People put coffee cup on top of their locker. It stays up there for weeks, right? And so why not put an angled roof on that locker so you can't put anything up there? Maybe, you know, no flat surfaces. But I would encourage whatever it is, you come up with your own non-negotiable list and really start off in new employee orientation by telling people what we expect not to see out there on the floor, you know. And so there's several things that you can come up with, you know, labeling on all designated locations, um, don't put water or any liquids on top of electrical boxes. I see this almost every plant I go to. And you know as well as I, if I drop one drop of liquid in my, on my computer, it's done. But we have water bottles sitting on top of electrical panels and control <laughs> panels in the plant. And these are million-dollar pieces of equipment. So that might be one. But non-negotiable list is one form of standards. Another form of standards is what is the factory standards when it comes to color coding? What is the highway color? And so I usually go with the OSHA color code standard that you can Google and, and get. But, you know, it's usually yellow uh, and it's four inches wide and these are the highways. So there are standards that you can set in place. Um, the other standards are your metric boards. You know, if you have multiple plants, you know, I always think about if I'm the owner of multiple plants, I don't want to have to go to a plant and figure out what's going on on the board. I want some kind of structure and standard around are they doing safety, quality, productivity, delivery, and cost, you know, in some form. And so why can't that be the same everywhere you go? So what is that standard? And then we talked about standardized work. You know, what is the, the best we know so far? Um, and can we copy that across the board if we're doing the same operation in many places? We also do, what is a model cell? Do you have one area that is almost like your testing ground? What is the best we know? This is the best cell or best line that we have in the plant. And we're really trying to make it better. Then we're copying and pasting quickly throughout the rest of the plant but we have this one experimental line that's going to be best and continues to get better. But that's the standard. That should be our standard. Everything else should be pulled up to that. So I think standards is number five. Love that. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of seeing you in action when you hold these, uh, these great workshops is your collection of pictures through the years uh, of folks doing things the wrong way. And, you know, it's funny because we'll pass right by these things, you know, if you're if you're there every day and you don't stop to think about it. But man, 
to your point, there's some dangerous situations, and then there's some there's some others that may may be harmless, but they communicate the wrong standard. Especially if you think about the visitors that that we bring through our factories and whatnot. So, I love the fifth being standards because it's looking at them. It's really looking at standards differently and how your facility communicate what what it communicates and what it implies. Right. That's right. That's right. All right. So. I, you know, I need about six hours with you, Mark, uh, and then we'd, we'd, we'd at least have a more effective uh, reconnect session. Um, as we start to wrap here, I want to make sure we mention your book that you published a few years ago, which is entitled? Southern Sensei. Southern Sensei, of course, I'm from the South, so every chapter's got a Southern uh, title. Waste is like kudzu. You can never stop killing it. It talks <laughs> about the eight wastes. If the bobber goes under, give it a yank on visual trigger system. What causes you do to reorder the next thing or do the next thing? Uh, going on a rattlesnake hunt is one of the chapters in there as well. But Southern Sensei is on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And uh, love for you to uh, take a look at that and, and anything I can do to help. A lot of timeless uh, classics there. Uh, and then I don't, know if you, I don't know if you want to give it up yet in this interview, but I love your title idea for your sequel, your, your, your next book. You want to share that? I'll, no, not right no. now. I think, well, I will, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a bestseller and the title is going to be drama is the ninth waste because, uh, I, I think, you know, you have these eight wastes, but there's so much drama. It doesn't matter what company or, or store you're in or wherever you are, there's drama. And how can you be more professional? How can you have a better vision as a leader? How can you focus better without negative pressures pulling you down and, and being proactive? You know, one of the things about a rattlesnake hunt that we did mention is that it's about being proactive than reactive. Some of the best companies in the world are more proactive than they are reactive. They're not always fighting fires. They're actually killing snakes before they get bitten, right? And so... That is a key thing uh, that really distracts us and distracts our focus and causes a lot of drama in plants. Agreed. Uh, and I love that because with that drama, you're creating friction. You know, we hear that that's, that friction and frictionless has become almost cliches these days. Uh, but that it really is, it's, it's a real concept and we feel it, right? So I love the title of that book. I can't wait for that bestseller. And uh, it's a pleasure to reconnect with you here. Mark? Um, how can folks? So we're going to put some uh, your bio information on the on the uh, uh, episode notes page. But how can folks connect with you, Mark? Love to work with you. I'm actually um, Southern Sensei at gmail.com. Uh, you spell Sensei S E N S E I. And my phone is 404-308-2898. And I have a website. It's www.sensei.com. L-E-A-N-A-P-P-L.com. My, my company's Lean Applications, so it's short for Lean Applications, so www.leanappl.com. Love it. Folks, connect with Mark Preston via those ways. Uh, you can probably find him on LinkedIn. Check out his book. Uh, converse, you'll leave any conversation with Mark uh, much better off, much more informed, and probably uh, chuckling a little bit at some of his stories. So, Mark Preston, a pleasure to reconnect with you um, and really have enjoyed your perspective here. Thank you, Scott. Thank you very much. You bet. Okay, folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this, what I think is a very practical uh, episode here with, with these five very practical tips from someone that's been there and done that. 
uh, and Mark Preston. So, hey, be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe so you don't miss any episodes like this one. You can find us on YouTube. That's an easy way of connecting and engaging in our episodes. But whatever you do, as I bet Mark can agree, uh, it's all about deeds, not words, right? Enough of that lip service leadership. Go out and do something about it. So with that said, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.